Welcome to the Book Club Haters Book Club, a podcast where we discuss the books we love and otherwise. I'm I am Nor. Tia. Oh God, it's okay. <laughs> we're, we're both introducing. She's Nor. Uh, she's Tia. <laughs> Yay! We are the co-hosts of this podcast. Right. <laughs> how have your How is your reading lately? Are you out of I'm the book slump or? Oh, you're reading! Yay! I don't know if I'm out of the book slump, but I am reading. Mm. What yeah. have you read? Um, so, last month I read one book. Ooh. Which is super <laughs> exciting. No, I read like uh, one book and then uh, a whole lot of the, our, what's the thing that we're reading right now? Our, our book club book. Book club. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, I read... Um, Oh, wait, let me let me have a look. I read Sex, Power, Money by Sarah Pascoe, the comedian. Mm. And yeah, I, I kind of like it, I think. I don't know. I have a lot I have a lot of feels. I have a lot of different feels about it. You want to tell me these feels? Um, because the past few years, I've been reading a lot of books about um, sexuality and gender and evolution. So I feel like reading this book is basically just her... Um, condensing everything into one book Mm -hmm. yeah so I didn't feel like whatever I was reading was anything new so I kind of knew about it so I didn't feel like it was anything that special but I guess for people who are um who want to know about evolution and sex and gender this would Mm. be a very good 101 because it's very snarky and um, it looks into like sex imbalances in pornography and how money plays a huge role in relationships and as well as evolution. And um, it has funny critiques of media portrayal of love, how like something as violent as Mr. and Mrs. Smith is deemed as passion when in reality it's just really abusive relationship. It is really toxic, isn't it? It is terrible. But mm. sure, it's a hot film, I guess. Yeah, um... So, because she's a comedian, um, it does come off... She she does try to write it in a very humoristic way. Like, very relatable, very easy languages. Mm. And um, what I find really interesting for Sarah Pascoe as a writer is that she knows that whatever she's writing now might be dated in 10 years' time. So, she is constantly apologizing for her future audience, saying that um, whatever I'm saying now might be... Um, transphobic or homophobic blah 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 blah. but at the current frame of at the current time frame where i'm writing this i am as woke as i can be i think i i realized this from like reading articles as well where like Uh um people are more aware that like ideas do change and yeah yeah it's it's such a difference uh from before i would say like maybe just a decade three ago. years ago i think yeah like three even three years, years ago, ago yeah. people, people were not thinking like oh people just thought like this is how it is right now and how it is mm-hmm. always going to be and now people are just mm-hmm. like well this is how we think right now and like maybe th- this will change in the future yeah so i really find that very interesting because i'm thinking about um, my career with Songkit Alliance and how I've always taken like very I wouldn't say I take like very hard stance I do try to look at whenever I write things I do try to look at it from whenever I'm writing about gender especially in sexuality I do try to write it from a both side kind of standpoint like a more and then balanced I remember perspective kind of ish but that's also like due to my background doing anthropology where I have to mm. look at all the gray areas and I remember writing about um, body neutrality um, as opposed to body positivity and the idea of just loving your body unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And how, when that was published, that as an idea was not something that is very, like, largely discussed. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember talking to, like, one of my friends, I think sometime quite recently, and he was saying that it's very interesting that you wrote that during that time when it's such a big issue now. The neutrality bit, yeah. Yeah, having body neutrality as opposed to body positivity because body positivity is such a stupid... I, for me, anyway, it's, it, I think it's such a foolish notion because body neutrality makes more sense, especially since there's so many things that's being bombarded towards us in terms of being okay with your body as opposed to constantly being positive towards it up to right. the point where it becomes very fatphobic. Do you think that um, you, you and I read... Was it last year? Oh my god, it was, it was last year. This month, mm-hmm. last year. Um, 
the body is not an apology. Do you think like yeah, that's a symbol like that? Those are the same thing, like body neutrality and what did she call it? Um, something something self love. Yeah, she calls it radical self love. That, that's it, radical <laughs> radical self love. I think honestly that book will probably not age because she does a really good job at. Um, she does stray away from the idea of body positivity, I think, because um, at some points, like some things that still resonate with me from that book is how she emphasized the importance of being neutral towards your body, at least. But just because you're neutral towards your body doesn't mean you can't practice any radical self-love. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 So because the problem with like how oh, we're talking about body positivity now. Yeah, because the problem with like the whole idea of body positivity is that it really does ignore the the slew of people who does fit into the area of fat mm-hmm. as well as people who are fat and disabled because mm-hmm. they're like yeah you should be positive towards your body regardless of what mm, sure to an extent but if you feel just okay with your body without having to be so extreme towards it but being extreme towards your mental health that's probably a better place to be in Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your point. Yeah, and I agree. Mm-hmm. And anyway, <laughs> talking. We're always talking about this. Um, so yeah, um, I quite like the book. If people wants to go into some one hundred and one into sex and gender, and um, at one point she did mention that she um, went into a pornography no i don't know what it's called it's like she went into a porn workshop for boys oh where they teach that i know exactly yeah where they teach schoolboys the idea of consent and to not follow porn as a guide Mm. which i think is like that's not something i have heard before so she kind of went in just to see what kind of stuff that they talk about and um the kind of discussions um because uh, at one point, they were given an exercise where, um, so this person is a prostitute, what can or can you not do to them? Mm. And then they were saying, like, kind of really harsh stuff, but, like, she went on a few chapters talking about sex work and how you it's really difficult. The discussion around sex work is actually way more complicated than just saying sex work is work. Because sex work is also power. It's also money. Um, Sex work is different for different individuals that you come across with. Mm -hmm. Sure, some of the women would say, yeah, I'm doing this as a way to empower myself. But for a lot of other women, it's more because of desperation. Mm. So to argue that sex work is work and it should be legalized, it also kind of um, impose it has the possibility of imposing um, a lot of um, misogynistic values in our society by justifying that it is still work. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, for some for some men that she was looking into, they're saying, like, oh, these women are not bad women. They're prostitutes because um, they're they want to feed their children, etc. And every time they, like this discussion comes around and men talk this way, um, they're justifying that they can buy these women because they're the good guys, because they're helping to empower these women to be a mm. part of the economic system. And but like the dismissing thing is that, their power, the their power in the in that dynamic. Yeah, but the thing is that men hiring these women cannot be the ones determining whether they are good guys in this transaction because it is up to the sex worker to decide if they're good or not. Because mm. sure, they've worked with men who want them, who want to pee on them or spit on them, etc. Just because you're getting a blowjob doesn't make you the good person because you wanting this, maybe for that woman, she's not having a good day. You're the bad person too. So it's like she had a really... she. I th- like I think she went nearly around a quarter of the book talking about sex work and how difficult it is um, as an area for argument. And I thought before this, when I read the when before I read this book, I thought like, okay, sex workers work should be legalized um, because it's still work, you know, because there's capitalism is not great towards women. Like after reading this book, I'm like, man, maybe sex work should be bad. <laughs> hmm. 
I, it's so complicated. I have, I have such a complicated feeling towards sex work. I do think that it should yeah. be legalized. If only mm-hmm. because that if you um, if you ban it and make it illegal, yeah, inevitably that's not fair. You know, sex work will happen anyway, and you're exactly. not really protecting these uh, sex workers. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So like it it was it was just I like I. I feel like she had a really difficult time writing about it too because i felt like she was just going round and round and round you know like in, in bahasa brunei it's like macam berlingkar-lingkar yeah, and yeah. she did kind of confess it's so difficult to write this part and but she wanted to do as much justice as she possibly can but at the end for her her stance is she wants sex work to be banned um but it also is about power dynamics so that's one book I read. <laughs> the only book I read. I'm also reading another book about um the, it's called The Joy of Sin. Um Ooh. which yeah, right. What a title. <laughs> um I know it is about it's very interesting in that it does try to like it it tries to be positive towards the sinful things that we do. Like like lust um he argued that I don't know who the writer is actually. I haven't touched the book in like a few days. Um, f- I've only read the chapter on lust so far, and he said that um, lust uh, is about survivability, and it's a it's a uh, it's an homage to our evolutionary traits in that we have lust because we want to pass on and ha- you know have more children as a way of survival as a way of survival. Ah. Whereas people usually see us lust as a sin, saying that, no, you shouldn't have babies in these kind of, you know, outside of wedlock, etc. You shouldn't be, um, you shouldn't be with uh, sex workers, for instance. But for him, his argument is that it's about survivability and it's part of our evolution. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that questionable? Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Oh, mostly because I, I just like, I don't know the idea of mm-hmm. is this safe to put in this podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but the idea of like lust is as mm-hmm. like something for survival and not mm-hmm. just for like because it's it's in 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 an enjoyable thing. Oh no, I guess. yeah. I I didn't say it. I didn't say that it, he didn't mention it was enjoyable. He did mention why lust is enjoyable because all these sins, whatever sins that we perform, there is some sort of enjoyment to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm just thinking like that's very kind of like the the a very Christian way of looking at it. <laughs> I guess. To say that it is what which part of it is Christian? The it's for the survivability bit, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, because I do... I, I feel like maybe, like, I'm uneducated on this, so I feel like my mm-hmm. opinion doesn't really matter. But um, I have heard and read some stuff about um, lust as, like, it's a like a, a normal part, and because it's enjoyable and not... Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like I get the... the to, to survive because, like, you're... I don't know. Why do you need to survive? <laughs> I don't know. That's on your genes. Mind. It's it's a it's a it's a biological thing. So yeah, it's an entrenched right, okay. evolutionary trait. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Re- reading a lot of evolution stuff. Yeah, I have been doing that a lot for the past. Actually, I've been doing that a lot for the past two years. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I used to really hate these stuff, but I do kind of enjoy knowing what human nature is. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. very you. <laughs> I On know, brand for Tia. <laughs> anyway, that's those are the books that I've been reading. I've picked up some other stuff. Um, I tried reading one of the books that you recommended, then I fell asleep. Which one? Uh, I've recommended so many. I feel like the so the celebrity London celebrity one. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So I I tried picking it up, and then I fell asleep reading it. So um, <laughs> not because of anything, but because I picked it up at like twelve a.m. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. Fine. So maybe one day I'll open it. Anyway, wh- how, what what what's yours like? I've been relying on audiobooks. Yay! Tell yeah, me more. I, yeah, I just 
you know, I, since, you know, you, you told me, like, I don't know, we talked about this last time, and I'm still in that, like, that um, grind, I would say, where I have to, like, make stuff. So, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I've, I ran out of podcasts, and I thought, oh my god, what am I going to do? So I, I bought this book by, um, it's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a self-help book about living a creative life. Mm-hmm. And it's narrated by her, and I find it really, it's like... It's literally like listening to a podcast, but like for six hours. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's but fun. it's a self-help, right? It's not a fiction. Yeah, no, it's not a mm. fiction book. I realized that while I was listening to Big Magic, that that's the kind of stuff that I think I would read about, I would listen to on audiobook. Because yeah. I feel like if I read, if I listen to a fiction book that I have never read before, I feel like I'm, it takes a lot a lot more of my mental space yeah 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 so it's it, yeah so if you i guess for people who listen to podcasts or like like listening to the radio and like listen to the djs talking i think like audiobooks for non-fiction is the way to go i think you're right because i tried i, I think i'd be talked about this i t- i tried listening to the harry potter audiobook read by stephen fry and i really couldn't get into i cannot concentrate at all um but because it's very very long it's like i don't know more than 10 hours mm, and it's very long yeah but if someone's doing a radio play i can't actually concentrate because there are distinctive voices but this is like one person doing all of the voices and then also narrating the story so sometimes i just don't know what's happening but In i Harry feel like Potter, is it like a yeah? single person point of view it's Harry's point of view. I see. Third, a third person. A third person? Third person? First person. Third person. Yeah, and, but it's, it's um, seen through, like, the one character, right? Yeah. yeah. But because sometimes the way she writes is that one sentence is very significant. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of significance in it. And if you miss it, you'll just don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But even though you've read the book like many many mm. times, so you still mm-hmm. couldn't get into it. I cannot get into it at all. So, hmm. yeah, because one of my friends has been trying to convince me because she's been re- she's been um, listening to audiobooks, a Stephen Fry audio no not Stephen Fry Stephen King audiobooks, mm. and she really oh. really enjoys okay. them. And she's like, if I recommend it to you, we'll both get so and so percent off. But I was like, I, I, I just can't get into it. But now that you mentioned, like, I think nonfiction books would be really good yeah. to listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because podcasts is about the same. Like, I've tried listening to um, fiction podcasts. I cannot get into them at all mm. either. But you can listen to, yeah. like, you know, like, um, it actually, this book literally reminds me of the Anthropocene Review by John Green. Yeah. So I think okay. you'd like it. I mean, like, these kinds of books at least, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have a look. Like, I'll get an Audible account, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it would be useful because I do like listening to podcasts while I'm doing work. While I'm doing, like, uh, I don't know, administrative work where I don't have mm. to really concentrate much. So I think that would be really... That's an idea. Yeah. You can also check out, actually, um, Spotify... Spotify has oh, like yeah. A, yeah a lot of audiobooks surprisingly mm-hmm. lots of classics some new ones as well but I think most of them are f- uh, fiction mm, so, okay. yeah but there are like some classics okay. if you like if you're if you're like I don't know something that you've already read that you kind of just know already the story and you don't really need to you know uh, think about the scene you just you're just yeah, yeah listening along. Have you ever had a discussion about e- um, books versus audiobooks? Um, no. Like in this podcast, have we? No. I okay, I, I think, think that. So. I think that is something I want to touch on maybe next month. Sure. Yeah. Do you want okay. to talk about any other books or is? Oh, okay. I I really want to talk about Big Magic for a bit. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the concept that she talks about in the book is. Uh, 
kind of like it's how like you're living a creative life is such a like a broad concept for me but she mm-hmm. the way she says it is like you're essentially like enriching your life by doing the things that you want to do that mm-hmm. makes you feel like you're alive and uh it's kind of it's not just like crafting or writing it could be like things like like figure skating and i think it mm. challenges the pressure that we kind of face when we right. kind of try something new and, and like at least for me where I feel like if I try something if I'm not extremely good at it I feel like mm-hmm. why why is it worth doing Ooh, uh, this is this is fun I want to talk about this okay yeah so like can you just imagine like you know you don't that she talks in the, the beginning of the book in the first chapter she tells the story of her friend who is like in her 40s or 50s like that and she used mm-hmm. to do figure skating and she like okay. in her youth and then she was just like and then she stopped because she didn't she wasn't like you know extre- uh, so good that she could get into the national team or anything and then right. she went about her life like decades and decades past and then she thought her about her uh, she thought that it's been so long that she's felt so alive and happy you know like truly Mm -hmm. like doing something for herself and she she thought back to when the last time she did that and she realized that it was when she was figure skating so now Mm -hmm. she like gets up in the morning early in the morning a few times a week before her job and she goes to the skating rink and she skates like you know just just for the heck of it she's not good she Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be good she doesn't have to be um, like even any sort of like she doesn't have to commit towards it like uh, in a hardcore way it's just that she's doing it and she's happy mm-hmm. and I thought that was such a a great example of like how we should be living our lives yeah yeah so uh, this is really interesting because like after um my trauma happened, I was so desperate in trying to get back into creativity and because it was kind of stunted for a few months that I bought a book called Days of 365 Days of Creativity, which is by um, Lorna Scobie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like giving instructions on the stuff that you can do to be creative, like drawing and, uh, and like uh, coloring and just making patterns. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did that for two months, but I just... After a while, I just really wasn't feeling it at all because I felt, I felt like, for me, the idea of creativity is that to draw, to do something with your hands, to write, etc. Mm, yeah, yeah. And then I took up weaving, um, which I kind of I do like, like I. But the problem with weaving is that I rather make stuff that are of practical use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have, like, all these yarn in a basket that I haven't really used. So weaving, for me, is, like, making tapestry just makes so little sense to me if it's not a practical thing. Yeah. So I've only made, like, several. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's... Maybe not. that's not for me. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to stop. Like, I'll do it. Like, I'm going to make some stuff for some people. But that's, like, I felt like it didn't really tap into the whole what I really want Weaving or making creative. tapestries? Make, ta- weaving. Weaving. Like, I made, okay. yeah, like, I made the coasters. The coasters are nice, but, um, yeah, but I, I just feel like, you know, like, coasters are coasters. How many coasters am I supposed to make? Like, a hundred? Um, so, I took up, <laughs> you know this, because I talk about this a lot. So, I took up martial arts mm. in November. I started doing Hapkido. Um, because I took up a self-defense, a woman's self-defense class, and one of the trainers did a very convincing job in telling me you should join, and I did. And what's interesting about it is everything that I've been doing, like all the 365 days of creativity, all the weaving, like at the, when you were telling me about what happened to this woman and her figure skating, I kind of just stopped doing them after I took up Hapkido mm. because... That's what it is. Like, for me, Hapkido, that is where all the creativity that I want to do, yes. that's that's where, like, I come into class. I'm not that great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really love it. Like, every, sing- like, every single week, that is a thing that I look, look forward to the most. Oh, I um, love that. 
Yeah, and like I never, I don't really because like I was wondering about this last week. Like, am I? Is this really what I want to look forward to all the time? Do I really like doing this? Am I just trying to avoid stuff? Mm. That's what I was wondering last week. And then now, now that you mentioned this, I'm like, no, I genuinely really like doing this. I really like it. Like, I love working with other people, and the, because like I, I'm always paired with this one guy who's quite old. He's like in his sixties, I think. Mm. And um, he's always really frustrated when he doesn't get it. But I'm always like, it's fine, Dave. We'll get this. We'll get this at some point. It just doesn't have to be today. Like, I just want to enjoy myself while he's like, I want to get this right. I'm like, it's okay. And like, at, at the end of every session, he's he's always telling me like, um, well, tomorrow's another day. We can try it again tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, but didn't you have fun with me? And he's like, yeah, actually, I did have fun with you. So like, for me, like that, now that I think about it, that is where all the creativity that I have, it's being... Like it's being put there, yeah, which is really fun, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really, it really opened my eyes. Um, uh, the book really opened my eyes to like, it's not just you know doing handcrafting or writing or like this like yeah the the usual forms of creative expression. That mm-hmm. is like, um, the kind of creative living you can do whatever the heck you want. You know, running mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's like. It's something that makes you feel fulfilled. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she also, like, talks about how creativity... Um, inspiration, my bad. She also talks about mm-hmm. inspiration as being, like, a living thing. Like... Oh, what does that mean? It's, like, it's this weird kind of, like, mildly woo-woo kind of shit. Where, she, <laughs> where it's, like, inspiration... Is like imagine it as like an organism, like an invisible organism. Okay. Where it like uh, infects you, or like it it get it goes into your head, and mm-hmm. like if you if you nurture it and if you like, it's always looking for for a host to make make sure like it gets out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like it's like what. And then she talked about yeah. this idea that she had, like, for a book about, like, a specific storyline, like, about this, um, the Amazon jungle. And then she mm-hmm. met uh, another author, and then they hugged, and then they kissed. And then um, she had to do, like, life stuff for, like, a few years. So she kind of abandoned the idea for a bit. And then when she got back to, the, to, to work on the idea again, like, a few years later the idea was gone. Like, she could not write. She could not mm-hmm. continue and finish the idea. And then she met up with the uh, her writer friend. She never talked about this idea with her. She met with the author, and then she... So they had lunch, and then the author was talking about her new book that she was writing, and, like, Elizabeth Gilbert was like, oh, what's it about? And then it was literally the exact same <laughs> structure. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, and then Elizabeth was like, "We were sh- so sure it was so odd because like, sh- and then in the end they thought that the idea must have transmitted from Elizabeth <gasps> to this author through the kiss." Like, oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> huh. Yeah, so I, I have, I have no opinion about that. But it's, yeah, me too. It's just cool. That I is guess nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. But I guess if you're working with people who are, like, very good at communicating, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, certain, like, specific ideas like that. They're really good at communicating stuff. You do kind of feel a zeal towards doing that thing more. Mm. Yeah, as opposed to, like, you like if I have to work with someone who's not that great, uh, it'll ruin my day, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I don't anyway. know well, how is this. I don't know how this connects to the to the bit I was talking about. No, because I'm thinking about Hapkido again, and I'm thinking okay, about okay, like okay. whenever I have to work with like really great people, like I'd have a great day, and we'll just tell each other, yeah, I had fun. But if I have to work with people who are just a bit, mm, I don't really care about this today, it it kind of takes away the fun away from me. I guess I don't know. Mm. <laughs> 
that's that's a thought in my head anyway okay. <laughs> um do you want to move on to genre talk because we've been doing this for half an hour oh wow true yeah okay sure awesome Okay, welcome, welcome to, to genre, genre talk, talk. Okay. <laughs> we're just gonna for this um episode we're just gonna keep introducing sections in unison <laughs> <laughs> completely unplanned but okay yeah so our discussion for today is friendship in books Woo. uh what's your favorite friendship in books uh, also, yeah. maybe we should start from the beginning. You texted me and asked me, why aren't there more friendships in books? Whoa, wild. It's 20 degrees outside. I don't understand. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry. What? What? There's like, there's been a heat wave for the past few days and it's 20 degrees outside. So it's cool? Damn. Yeah, I'm because it's been like 40, 42 degrees. I'm sorry you switched off your air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Australia is wild. Um, you texted me and asked me about friendship in books and why there aren't more friendship in books. Why did you ask that? I've been looking at... Because I mostly read adult now. Wait, hold on. Um, I think there's someone in the room next to me, to mine, and... Okay, okay. I can anyway. hear the pipe, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think it's no. Rao, maybe. It's cool. Hi, Rao. <laughs> yeah, um, I mostly read adult nowadays and adult section, I don't know, whatever, adult books and... Fiction. Fiction, <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like they, there aren't that many books that feature, may, or maybe I'm just not reading them. That like uh-huh. in in romance specifically that have the main character have like a group of friends or like mm-hmm. they go through things with their friends. I don't know. I'm just looking for like a reflection of my friendship onto books. I guess you know. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. That sounds sad, but it's not really. But it's I've been looking for like a few years, I guess, in in romance hmm. genres specifically. Because I I came well I'm still in YA but like I came from a background of like reading lots of YA before I mm-hmm. read romance and mm-hmm. in young adult there are so many like friendship books so many so many like I love them the true treasure really of YA's friendship right huh and it's How so interesting. I feel like I want to figure out like I want to see the difference because there is a difference when you're friends uh in your friends in your friendship group when you're younger and when you're an adult and you're working mm-hmm. and you're sure. not yeah in the same kind of country even that, so that's really hard i guess to to portray it's a very specific thing that you're requesting <laughs> yeah it, not not really like i want modern life i just want like a group of adult friends Mm-hmm. Going through life hmm. together somehow. Right, right, right. I, I'm sure there are. Right, that yeah, would I'm be sure. under the chick. Yeah, but here's the thing: uh, those kind of books are would be under the chicklet section. But the chicklet section also meant that there's a lot of romance involved, because if you're writing about, if you're writing about friendship, there must be a purpose. And I guess if you're a woman, your concern is always going to be about your love life. Yes, that's um, what, I think that's what I want. Very tropey. I don't want like like yeah, yeah. Like, the the girlfriends that you are like kind of not gossiping about, but like talking mm-hmm. about your love life about. And I don't want I don't yeah. really want that because I don't really talk about my love life all the time to my friends. Mm-hmm. Like I talk about other mm-hmm. things. Too. Yeah, I don't want to listen to you either. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want hey, to you know, me talk about it too. I don't want to do it either. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I Google books about friendships and a majority of the stuff that are recommended are children's books, YA, Little Women, which is about siblings. Come on, let's be real here. But they're mostly children's books. Mm. Yeah. And then Joy Luck Club, which is, I guess, about friendship, but mm. also about family. Um, 
Maybe like I can, the I guess, sisterhood of traveling pants. I don't know. Is that, was that a book or a series? That's YA. Yeah, that's it YA? is. Oh, but that's YA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Babysitter's Club is considered, I guess, children's slash YA. And I don't know. I, I, I also, like, after you mentioned this, I was like, I, I don't think I read a lot of books about friendship either. Like, there are elements of friendships in them, but they're not necessarily that book is not centered around that friendship. There yeah. are very few books that are. Like, I know there are a few, um, but, uh, like, I know I have, like, let me check my want-to-read section. Um, I know there are some, like, I, I remember shelving them, like, a long time ago. I don't know if they're even still here anymore. No, they're not. Um, yeah, there are books about friendships, uh, but <laughs> they're just not as, you know... Not as prominent, prominent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I actually read yeah. um, last month uh, this love lettering by Kate Claiborne. That one, it mm-hmm. is romance, but like I feel like it was two parts. Uh, like one part was the romance, and one mm-hmm. part was of uh, the main character um, trying to come to terms with the changing friendship with her best friend, like childhood best friend. Right. Yeah. Right. From like That's always from what how it they is. were. Yeah, I really want that kind of stuff. You know, like the, the evolution like... of friendship and also <laughs> about like it doesn't necessarily have to be the evolution of friendship, but also like how the how it works, you know, like adult friendships now. Mm-hmm. I'm not making sense, god. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Okay, okay. Uh, but with that argument, right? Uh there's this also this assumption that once you have a partner in your life, you lose, you have to find a way to negotiate around those f- like old friendships. Sometimes mm. that's not the case at all. Oftentimes yeah, that's in, not the in case love, at all. In love lettering, it's not the case where she, it's just like a separate mm-hmm. issue, you know? She, yeah. Mm-hmm. But in, in real life, you kind of, I don't know. I kind of just lose touch with everyone, all of my, most of my friends who are just, who've gone married. Gone married, mm. God. Oh, yeah. God. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same, I think. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm the same. Um, but uh, here's what I notice, at least from my limited knowledge about books and friendship. Um, a lot of the books that are about friendship are centered around boys mm. and men. Lord of the Fli- Lord of the Flies. There's this one other book I can't remember the name. Um, it's a really long book, but I've been wanting to read it for a really long time. But I think I took it out of my list because I knew that I was not going to read it. Like so, those are friendship about men too. I I'm looking at my list like of stuff that I want to read and stuff I've have read. Not many of them are about friendship. A lot of them are about family relationships mm. love yeah i guess they're more marketable probably i guess why are men like friendship because they're men male? yeah why are they more interesting they're not i don't think they're i don't read books about men anymore so i don't i don't know mm. no i don't read a lot of books about like if i'm gonna read a book with a main character very rarely is it gonna be about men Oh. Yeah. Men friendship in books. Yeah, here you go. A Little Life by Hanya Yana Gihara. Yeah. That's about friendship too. But like every time if I have to read something about like a woman's friendship, it's always like there's always love elements of love in it. Yeah. Mm. I I I mean I get it. It is it is more marketable. Obviously, the romance industry is like mm-hmm. billions of dollars, so like that makes sense. But I feel like we're also kind of ignoring the other parts of life, other yeah. than love. Mm-hmm. It just feeds mm-hmm. into this like uh, this idea that a woman a woman life only is, want love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A woman's life is just consists of love, and like friendship just gets relegated to lower rung mm-hmm. once she finds yeah. it. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true for yeah. everybody. I mean, for some people who are who are very, I don't know, codependent with, with their partners, sure. 
But not everyone's codependent with their partner and or their friends. Yeah, I, I bloody hope so. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about this? More really, books. Just that. More books. I more want more books. books. About more friendship, books women's about friendship. friendship. Yes, specifically we, we can. We can try prowling the internet. I'm sure there are and like look into like the idea like look into reading it but there is like when you mentioned about friendship in books there is one that kind of stood out to me and i'm not talking about our um book club book this month um sweet bean paste by Drian sakugawa um it's about um I- i'm sure i've talked about this book before um uh, i think it might be last year um it's about three people yeah, I think I remember talking about it because it did. It was kind of. It was a very sweet book. It's a very sweet book, and then um, it's about this guy who became friends with an el- elderly woman who who has a disfigured hand from like the one of the world wars, mm-hmm. um, and then this girl kept coming to the shop that he was working at, um, making doriaki, and the three of them just became friends. That's sweet. Yeah, and trying to find um, the elderly woman's, um, trying to uncover the elderly woman's um, past. Oh. It's a very sweet book. Okay. Yeah, I I, I don't know if, I I think it's very easy to read. It is in my Kobo if you want to have a look at it. Um, Yeah, I did really like reading that book. Yeah, but that's the only book that I feel like that has been strictly about friendship. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay, I guess we can move on. Okay. Very short section. Yeah. <laughs> Very short. No, it's not. It's, it was 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you got some questions? Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should ask me first. Okay. So, do you have a book you love but have a hard time getting other people to try? Mm, Harry Potter. (laughs) I mean, not me specifically. (laughs) The other people in my life is you. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Wait, let me have a... Let me have a look into... uh, I have a very difficult time trying to convince people to read Sex Criminals. (laughs) Oh, because of the premise? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sex Criminals is by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. And it is one of my favorite comics. And I talk about it a lot on this podcast. And I think I've talked to maybe five people about this book. Like, really, really gushingly. Mm. But none of them have ever picked it up. I think they think I'm just a horny person. <laughs> they think, like, it's one of those, like, weird um, sex comics. Maybe. They think it's just about. They think I don't know. They yeah. I I I always wonder if for some of them because a lot of the people that I recommended this comic to are men. Mm. Um, I always wonder if the reason why they haven't picked it up is because um, they might think it's smut. Oh, <laughs> because the title is Sex Criminals, but it is not smut. It is it's so funny and. I really, really like it, and I wish more people read it. And it's coming to an end soon, which makes me a bit sad. How uh, many issues yeah. has there been, or like collective edition, um, collector's edition, or whatever? Collector's edition. I think there has been four or five. Mm. Um, I, I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're they're ending it soon. Like the the last the last one. Mm. Yeah, the last of the series has just been released last week. I haven't really looked into that. Oh, it's there's been six so far. Um, yeah, but all the people I told to pick up don't really want to pick it up, which is fine. I mean, I don't want to force people into it, but it is such a joy of storytelling, and the romance is really, really nice. Mm. Okay, noted. Yeah. I have a question for you. Mm. Hit me. <laughs> this is... This is Oh, me not having time to think. Um, what would you do if you open a book and there's a treasure map inside? Usually, like, when you open a book and there's, like, a map inside, it means some shit's about to go down. So do you okay. mean, like, an actual, like... <laughs> actual, a, treasure an actual treasure map. map? But I appreciate your answer, though. Yeah, I feel like 
I'm the type of person who's like, if it's in the vicinity, I would be like, I want to find this place. Yeah. Would you find it? I would try to. I'm, I'm that kind of person. Oh. Also, huh. I feel like my, my boyfriend is that kind of person too. So I can have somebody, like a buddy, to just be like. Have you found, like, have either of you found treasure maps before? No, but like we, I don't know. We just like when whenever we're browsing the internet or something, and then something pops uh-huh. up that might be of interest, and like, uh, say, something like an interesting mural or something, we're always like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go there and see it, or you know, uh, make plans for it. Ah, yep. uh, okay. Hmm. Do you have anything else to add? No, nothing. (laughs) Cool, we'll move on to our book club. Uh, Our book club. Welcome to the book club. (laughs) What? We don't say that. I didn't, I didn't, I forgot that I was supposed to start the last section with you. No, but we don't say like, welcome to the book club. I don't know, what else am I supposed to say? We just get into it. Our book club book is, our book club pick is Hawkeye. Yay! Um, you don't just say Hawkeye. There's like so many of them. Uh, my bad. Hawkeye <laughs> Volume One: My Life as a Weapon by Matt Fraction and David. Uh, how do you say the last name? David Aja. I, I think it's Aya. David Aya. Aya. David Aya. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many? How much did you read? I read five um, issues. <laughs> In like, la- like just now, <laughs> literally two in minutes an hour. before recording. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. super quick. I-, I read seventeen issues. Wow. Yeah, I either I it's kind of like I either don't do anything or I overdo it. I think yeah. I overdid it this time. I do really really like the series though. Yeah, I enjoy it too. I was gonna it's continue. I was gonna continue, and then I was like, oh no, but I have to set up. <laughs> oh. It's okay, you can continue after this. Yeah. So, the premise of Hawkeye is it fo- uh, uh, Hawkeye Volume 1 My Life as a Weapon. It follows Clint Barton, the Avenger, um, and um, Kate Bishop, who is the young Avenger, who is also called Hawkeye. And um, these two, this is their life outside of the Avengers, I guess, mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. 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 Have you ever read Hawkeye comics before this? Hells yeah, dude. Okay, cool. Were you a fan? You're a fan then? Uh, of Hawkeye? Yeah. Of like, like uh, of the comics at least. Um, I really like... Wait, I'm trying to find where... Okay. Um, wait, am I a fan of what? Huh? Sorry. Hawkeye. Okay. In terms of... <laughs> Hawkeye in the film I do not like the character I think it's a very weak character um what I really uh yeah yeah that's one thing that I want to talk about and that there is a mention of Ronan in this comic um the reason why I read Hawkeye is I find him to be a very compelling character in that the comic um canon of Hawkeye is that he is deaf so he has a disability but his ability but he's also a really good marksman so it's one of those things where it's like oh you lose one one what is it one sense and another sense kind of heightens and stuff so I really find that really compelling about him as a character but what I really like about Hawkeye before like I read this series is that He's such a fucking mess. And I really like that how this series kind of emphasized that he is a fucking mess. Yeah. I think like in the yeah. first uh, first issue itself, he's like, it really, really shows that he's a mess. I think he says like at one time, yeah. like, aw, coffee, no. Like, yeah. Heck, he does that throughout the whole thing. Like, yeah. He does it throughout the whole series. Like, aw, Clint. And like, he is always audibly disappointed with something or himself. Yeah. And... I guess what I really, really... Because I think the Matt Fraction run really does kind of plays a good homage to Hawkeye as a character. Because before this, not a lot of people really like Hawkeye that much because 
he's always been written as this kind of assholey kind of character and um, very cocky. But this one, I feel like, really kind of humanizes him in that he is cocky, but only at certain times that he's cocky. He's not cocky all the time. And um, you also have the character of Kate Bishop, who is an amazing character, and I'm really excited to see her on the big screen. Um, And she just kind of... She knows that she's better than Clint every which way. And, but the thing is that she's, she just doesn't have a lot of experience to prove that she is better than Clint. Mm-hmm. And I really love the mixture of the two of them together. Like, I think they do a really good job because sometimes when you read comic books and then um, these two characters who run under the same name um, are stood next to each other, sometimes their personality kind of match. But with this one, like with Kate and Clint, they are aspects of them they are similar but they have way more differences to each other but they also complement each other which i really really like and yeah they do they're they're i think that's like a like a real partnership kind of deal mm-hmm. yeah i really enjoy you it. did yeah. like when, we, when you texted me about like um friendship in books i was like i do have a friendship like i do know who my favorite friendship is in books and i told you it was clint and kate because it is like and they have, together. yeah. There is an age difference that you're like, hmm, kind of slightly questionable. But at the same time, like Kate is very, very mature, and Clint is very, very immature. Yeah, so it kind of makes up the difference. <laughs> yeah, and like Clint always kind of sees them as a uh, a mentor and mentee kind mm. of relationship, whereas Kate is like, no, man, I'm your pal. Um, so I really like, like, throughout the whole series, like, all to how many issues, um, they do try to kind of work on this and, like, Kate trying to get Clint to think more of her as opposed to just this young woman who doesn't really know anything. Yeah. I actually came into... Cool! <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't actually... I have... I came into the, these comics kind of blind. I would say blind about mm-hmm. the context. Like, I didn't know anything about the character. Other than in the film, like, I wasn't really interested in it. Mm-hmm. What drew me in was actually Kate Bishop. Yeah. Yeah, Um. so, like, these were the... This This was, like, during Tumblr days, and a bunch of, my, of the people that I follow started reading the comics and started talking about Kate Bishop. And I was like, who is Kate Bishop? That's mm-hmm. interesting. And then I just read it, and I'm like, oh, God, this is so interesting. But it did kind of, like, I had to, like, of course, that, you know, with all things in comic books, you can't really read the whole background of it, so you just kind of, like, plug in the holes of yourself. Mm-hmm. I thought that... Plug in what hole? <laughs> the holes what where hole? she's, like... Like, I, I... Before the Hawkeye, I've never read, like, Young Avengers. Yeah. Or anything. Literally nothing. And then I thought that the first issue was a really good intro, I would say, to the to the characters and also to the mm-hmm. series, obviously. But it was good. I, I don't really know what to say other than it's good. Honestly, like, the young Avengers characters are way more superior than the Avengers characters, I find. Mostly because the young Avenger characters are just having so much fun and... I guess that's the appeal is kind of like it's very YA-ish in a way. Mm. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. I do yeah. I do have something like... do You told me something interesting about the um, format of the comics. Um, mm-hmm. How, like, I found it... I find it difficult to read on digital screens because I have to, like, mm-hmm. zoom in, zoom out. Yeah. And it's, like, yep. in comparison to Fence by C.S. Paquette, where it was mm-hmm. just, like, swipe, swipe, swipe to through the different individual panels on the page. Mm-hmm. And it was super intuitive. And, like, it was definitely made for digital reading. Meanwhile, this was, like, yeah. before that time. Um, I don't think this was before that time. I think this is meant to be published um, as a physical copy. That's why they don't have it. Like, it's not very digital friendly. Yeah, I mean, but, like, sometimes it's... Do you... Is, it, is, is there a difference, do you think, like, in, in how the page would look like? Well, I guess... I don't know. Do you draw comics? I don't know the, the how, format, uh, how comics are 
Drawn? Drawn, like, format-wise, like, panels. I mean, I don't have... <laughs> I don't have time to talk about that, but also because I don't really... I wouldn't be able... Like, I've seen how it's made and stuff, but I also don't think I'm qualified or have an in-depth knowledge to talk about the formatting of comics. So I don't know... Mm, okay then <laughs> yeah uh, um yeah but i you're right i did had a hard time trying to read this but i feel like i have a hard time reading all comics because the, all the panels are always really small and every time i have a physical copy and i have to have it like very close to my face for me to read it i haven't had a physical copy of a comic possibly mm-hmm. in over a decade like, oh i still do girl yeah, I have in yeah. my in my hand right now another copy of Hawkeye, but it's like the Kate Bishop one where she, I think she went to California for this one. This is like this is supposed to be somewhere in the middle, is it? I think so. I think it's some supposed to be somewhere in the middle of, or maybe after. I don't know of the series that we're reading now, and this is oh, done like the by California Kelly Thompson. Bit. That was kind of conf- yeah. that, that's a so. confusing. I remember reading I've, that, uh-huh. and then yes. I was confused fused i think of like what was happening i guess i don't know i don't know yeah i'll, I'll reread it and see what happens yeah there's a reason why it's confusing it's because um uh the issue where kate was leaving new york to go to california was an issue narrated by lucky the dog ah yeah <laughs> so it wasn't really communicated as well um that was like the fact that they have a whole issue where it was it was from the point of view of a dog was really kind of precious actually yeah i I guess like the whole i don't know we'll we'll, maybe we'll talk about it in the next in the next Mm -hmm. uh episode of this when i when i read the that part okay what about so the thing that drew you into reading this is kate yeah yeah because like people were like, it. yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting to see the idea of a, a young woman being a, a mentee to mm-hmm. like for archery is pretty cool. Right. I just find her really to be cool as hell. Yeah. She's pretty yeah. cool. She is goals. Mm. <laughs> she's like, she's, I don't know. Like I, I just, I, I really I really, really, really like her, and um, what is very good and somewhat misleading about this series is that there is an element of um, putting more women into stories, because the first book, the first collector's edition, sure, you mostly have the point of view of Clint. I don't think there's a lot of Kate in this, but then as the story progresses, Hawkeye is not just Clint Barton. It's also about Kate Bishop. And mm-hmm. then there are several issues where it is just from... It's just stories centered around Kate. Which I really think is just very kind of... It's very sneaky to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it the story sneaky. doesn't... The story isn't bad or anything. Like, I feel like it's a pretty solid storyline. Um, yeah. So... I agree. Like, I think I, when I finished this series, like, years ago, and then I moved mm-hmm. on to the the next series, and that wasn't a Matt Fraction one, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I still have no idea what it is that's different about it. I guess it doesn't have... It doesn't, as much you know, humor. you know how you said, like, it human, it humanizes Clint, right? This series. Yeah. In the yeah, next series, I feel, it makes him like into mm-hmm. like a little super powered shit, you know? Like, yeah. I, I've only read like maybe like two issues from it though, yeah. No, no, you're right. Because I didn't read just two issues, I read a lot of them. And then mm. I was like, there's something about the story that I really like. And it kind of reverts back to the whole, the Clint Barton who's just s- super assholey. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in this series, because, like, there, mm-hmm. his, his disability, like, he wears a. Um, he wears a, a, a hearing aid, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say an ear thing. Yeah, I don't think an ear. No, a hearing aid. Like, in the in the next series, he it gets 
fixed. Like, he he mm-hmm. doesn't have any issues with hearing anymore. Like, yeah. in, in this series, like, he, his, when his hearing aid falls out, it's a real crutch. Like, yeah. he can't, he can't, like, it, it, it disables him, of course. But, like, yeah. But in the next one, he's, just, I think he's just, like, fucking implanted or something. I forgot. But, like, it was, mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't like the yeah. dismissal of it, and I then, guess. And then Kate's storyline did kind of went downhill, too. Because oh. I think it was kind of very dismissive of Kate, too, I felt after that and then like that was when i was i realized i'm like oh i'm mostly reading the series not just for this clint but also because of kate like kate is such a huge drawing like a thing that kind of draws me the most way more than barton did hmm yeah Yeah. so i guess this Um, is like i think this is the only hawkeye series that i feel like i'm gonna read like ever yeah I mean, I'll tell you if the current Hawkeye is as good as this one, but, um, uh, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there is a dog? It? Oh, you can hear it. Yeah. That's, that's... Oh, that's a dog. Is that your pet? God, no. Is that Lucky? <laughs> <laughs> Lucky the pizza dog. Wait, do you have anything else to say about not, this book? Not I feel really. Like we haven't really. Okay. I don't know. Like, I it's, feel like we... it's just like it's a comic, right? So that's why it's it's, and it's like in the early. It's one volume. That's so true. It's like basically it's just starting up. Like so you know. one one thing I noticed that a lot of um, people who are in the comic industry talk about is if you're talking about the storyline, then you're not really reading it. How's the art? <laughs> the art. I like yeah. it actually. I really do. Uh, the first the four. This is the first. Uh, the first. Ish, uh, first collector's edition. First volume has mm-hmm. four issues, right? Mm-hmm. So the first three I so. had. I don't know. The fourth one was different than the other three, right? I was like, yeah, whoa, because... that's that's yeah. a mind trip. One thing I really like is when I feel like this. The way they tell the story is not just. It's not like it plays so much on the whole visual thing. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm watching a movie because um, there's this, I think in the second, the third one, okay. So the, the third, is this the third? So in the second issue where um, Kate was asking uh, Clint if he's okay, and then Clint is like, nah, I'm fine, whatever, blah, 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 you know, he's just trying to deny that he's not okay. And then there's this whole series of 10 panels, 10, ten pictures, I think. Oh, yeah, when he's like twelve pictures, the, the, the arrow, the bow. Yeah, and she's like, well, that's cool. And then like the way they, the way like David Aya kind of does it is really, really, it's very, it kind of shows how sarcastic that she's being and like how she's not happy with how Clint is responding to what she's saying. Yeah. She just wants, like... Yeah, she just wants him to talk properly. And then, like, it's a play-by-play into a sarcastic face. Mm, I really love (laughs) that. Which I think, yeah. I think it's kind of genius, honestly, to do something like that. It's, like, very out there. And I feel like that really, like, um, sets my standards up so high that I Mm -hmm. I feel like it... What's the standard? I don't know what my standard is, but it is that. It's kind of like, it's like that it plays into like the unexpected, you know? Instead mm-hmm. of like one panel is this scene, one panel is another, like another point of view or something. Yeah. This one is like play by play of her exp- minute expressions while she's yeah. doing this. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think like it really kind of goes beyond the whole idea of storytelling in comics because sometimes for me, whenever I'm reading comics, it is slightly difficult for me to get into it because um, I, tonally is really difficult to read. Um, but this one, I feel like tonally, it's very, very well done. Like the drawing is really, really simple. They're like line drawings, but the expressions they use, it's just so simple. Like, there's kind of sometimes there's no details at all it's just like a nose a mouth and an eye but um you can kind of see when kate is really pissed off and she always is like they do a really good job at um carrying so many emotions kind of like in like micro expressions yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah. 100%. I found it really nice as well with the... I I don't know how to say this. I I don't know if I'm saying this right, but like the transition from the present and the the past and like the different color... Mm -hmm. The different, shades. yeah, yeah, that was really yeah. cool, and that really helped. Like California me is a I'm different like, color. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like blank sometimes, especially in like if you're in a in a novel or anything. Sometimes it's not too clear what mm-hmm. the heck's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like California is very bright, it's like yellowish hue. New York is purple, Gray. mostly. Yeah, gray, gray and purple. Yeah. yeah, so it's good. It's good. It kind of reminds me of like um the Instagram filters. Ha. <laughs> the Instagram story filters. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. New York's always gray. Okay. I love this. I'm glad we picked this. Me too. Oh my god! Do we even have a book for March? Yes, we do. We do. We do. We do. You you it? picked it. What? Oh shit. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. It's okay. March. <laughs> it is Lady. <laughs> Do you really not remember? I'm giving you a hint okay, okay, right okay, now. Okay, okay, right. It's the first uh, book in the Lady Julia Gray series, which is called. <laughs> I forgot its name. I am the worst. You are that. If that's the thing that makes you the worst, I I think there are worse people out okay. there. Okay, it's like so. Mark for the book club in March. The book is "Silent in the Grave" by Deanna Rayborn. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Follow hope- us on. Yeah. Follow us on, yeah, never mind. Okay, never mind. Follow. <laughs> <laughs> follow, follow. Follow us on Twitter at Book Cup Haters. And follow us on Songket Alliance at songketalliance.com. Okay, and Songket Alliance. Alliance. What the heck is that? I don't that? know why. Like, I don't know. I think my tongue got really big for a while. Um, <laughs> songketalliance.com. And then um, follow us on Songket Alliance at uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Facebook. I was going to say Instagram. Then I realized we don't do that. We're never going to do that. No. No. Okay. Till next month. Bye.